When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Claret and Blue and the Inside Bodymore Show for Arsenal this weekend. We're, uh, started, we're doing this live at 6 o'clock, it's 6.02 and the comments are full of people going, you're late, you're late. If Dan Bardell can be a couple of minutes late, so can we. Uh, it's John's fault, basically. Little John, Ter- uh, little John Terry, little John Townley. Oh dear, if this wasn't live, all this would be edited out and I'd start over. John, how are you, mate? I'm not happy with the nickname, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> no, right. I'm doing fine, thanks, Dan. Um, Bodymore today... What's the day yesterday? Thursday, yesterday, Wednesday, one of the best performances I've seen Villa put in in my lifetime. I know a lot of people have said that, um, but it's true. So yeah, I'm on I'm on cloud nine to be fair. Really looking forward to um Saturday night. Yeah, we're live on YouTube and Facebook actually. Uh, it's been a long time since we've been live on Facebook, so you can get your comments, uh you can get your involved in the comment section with the conversation. We don't normally do these live, but we normally play on a Sunday. So we can film on a Friday evening, post it Saturday. But the game is obviously tomorrow. You know, twenty four hours from now we'll be halfway well, over halfway through the first half. Um, so we've had to do it live. So a bit all over the place, I expect, but still the same usual format. We've even got an opposition reporter halfway through the show as well, which I recorded earlier this morning. And um, I'll play that mid-episode. We'll start where we always do, though, with John, with the presser. Um, you've been there at Bodymore today, speaking to Unai Emery. What was his mood like? Was he buzzing? <laughs> I don't think he's ever buzzing even after the Man City game. He was um, saying, yeah, I'm kind of focused on Arsenal now. Like It's been half an hour before we won. Um, yeah, I mean, he was great. Uh, you know, he's, he's been in good form, to be fair, this week, before the City game as well. The uh, press conference for that one, he was answering all the questions really well. Lots of depth. Uh, went into a lot of detail, too, talking about like Leon Bailey and other players. And today was the same. Um, I guess it was less people today. I think because the um, the time of the press conference got moved, it was originally afternoon okay. and it got moved forward to uh, midday. So I think a couple of people might have missed the memo, um, which isn't good for them. But yeah, uh, he was in good spirits heading into what is an opportunity for Aston Villa to get a record amount of wins in a row. 15, what, nine months in the making this record would be. So um, before I came on slightly late, only about 30 seconds. So um wasn't too bad. It could be worse. I was writing a piece about, um, you know, or at least one of my sentences were, um, was something like, I don't know, uh, kind of records have been tumbling under Emery, but this one has been like nine, 10 months in the making or something. I need to check that for sure. But since March, isn't it? Since the last time Villa, um, or when the record, this record run, this uh, record, equal record, club record, club equal, what is it? I can't all over the place today. A club equal, no, an equal club. Finish my sentence then. Equaling a club record? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. 14 it's games. It's fifth, so it's 14 the record, 15 would make a new record. Is that right? Yeah, so okay. equaling the club record would be 14. Can you cut that out or are we live? 120 people watching. Too late. Um, too late. Too late. Yeah, it was, it was all good though. Yeah, nine months in the making with this record will be. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to tomorrow. It will be a really difficult game, though, because Arsenal, I mean, Man City are, you know, the champions, European champions, treble winners. But if you look kind of deeper in the stats, technically this game is probably harder. 
Um, this is a team who, you know, aren't so reliant on a player like Rodri, I suppose. I mean, maybe that is Declan Rice, but he's obviously fit. And Arsenal have the best away record since last season as well. They've won the most games, scored the most goals, got the most points, all that stuff. So it's literally going to be like, you know, that kind of, I don't know, unmovable objects against, um, you know, that kind of unstoppable force. And whichever one Villa are and Arsenal are, I don't know, you can make it up yourself, but it's going to be uh, a really interesting game. Certainly one that the neutral, I think, will be um, looking forward to. Mm. The question here from Tony Cashin says, do we look leggy? Now, I was going to ask you whether you thought that maybe how much effort we put into Wednesday might affect tomorrow's game or there's also the fact of um, Arsenal played the day before us, so they've got an extra yeah. day's rest. Do any of those things matter? I know Emery said something like, yeah, that is the case, but we're not going to make excuses, which I do like. I, I like things yeah, yeah. like that. I don't want to put down a reason to, you know, if we don't win tomorrow, we say you know, we lose. I wouldn't want Emery, and he would never do this, to come out and go, oh, well, they, they played before us, but they've had an extra day's rest. That would never happen. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like excuses. But do you think that, that is a factor? Um, yes, I think it's a factor more so because of the kind of emotion behind the Man City game as well. I think, you know, to be honest, for large parts of that game, we were controlling it. And I think City were probably running around more than what we were. You know, Arsenal, in terms of their game, it was, um, you know, I mean, it's obviously quite a small, compact pitch, Kenilworth Road, but there was how many goals? Like seven goals in the game. It was a last minute winner for them and they're on a high. So they've probably got a bit of adrenaline going with it as well. Obviously, so do we. So I think that'll probably carry us through, hopefully, you know, in terms of we shouldn't feel leggy against Arsenal. Um, but I do think a little bit, I don't know, a lack of rest potentially. That's something that could catch up with us potentially because, as I say, the emotion behind it, I think, you know, physically, I don't think it was so bad, but we were, what, I don't know how many hours the game is going to be played after the City game, but it's been, what, one day of rest, one training session today, which was this afternoon, which is why the presser was moved mm. to an time. So clearly there has been a knock on effect. This isn't the normal. Uh, preparation for a, a game that Emery would like or the players would like but I think it probably helps that he's saying there's no excuses and that's exactly what he'll be saying to his players in the dressing room as well if he came out and said something like oh yeah the Premier League, Premier League need to rethink their scheduling like I know Jurgen Klopp has a lot and other managers and to be fair maybe they've got a point but I think it probably helps if you just tell your players that it's not a problem <laughs> and then they probably react that better yeah. um, to be honest as soon as it's kickoff and the Villa Park crowd's getting behind the team and whatnot, like they have been for the last 14 games at home in the league, then I'm sure they'll be fine. Come the 70th minute, depending on what the scoreline is, maybe there'll be some, you know, a need for a couple of changes that otherwise wouldn't need to be made. But um, no, I don't think it'll play a massive factor, to be honest. And yeah, I'm glad Emery said no excuses as well. Mm. I can't wait to see what the atmosphere is going to be like. We, we've spoken a little bit this week about what, what would it be like if we were to beat Man City, yeah. you know, if we'd have lost on Wednesday, it'd still been a great atmosphere Saturday because it's still a, a big opportunity. But to have bit, to have won Wednesday, you know, this just this belief of well, if we can beat them, we can beat anybody. So it should be a, a raucous atmosphere. And we are going to talk a little bit more about Man City a bit later in the show, specifically. Um, talk to me a little bit about the quote about the the Leicester comparisons. Explain that one. Yeah, he was asked about. I mean, I think we've all kind of seen that stat about uh, 15 games, 30 points. It's the same position that Leicester were in back in 2015, was it now? Obviously, the year that we got relegated, really so yeah, 2015. Um, and Emery, he hasn't really um, kind of paid attention to any kind of chats about Champions League necessarily, like a league title. I don't actually think he's taken that question seriously. Um, but it was mm. the follow-up of, 
you know, are fans okay to dream about that? And he was like, yeah, for sure. Like, let's let's always dream. Um, he said, we have to dream always. I'm dreaming and sometimes my dreams are very important for me as it's an inspiration to get my best. Um, I'm not even having like, dreams about, like, like, away from football, like his actual dreams on a night. I'm not even having things about just football. <laughs> I haven't thought about that yet, Dan. Um, maybe you have. So I think that's, uh, again, kind of, take the quotes how you will but I, I like that because it's about him that's him basically saying that um you know why limit ourselves in a way you know if we're trying to get to our best why cap it and say yeah this season we do want to get Europa League and I know I've gone on record and said that a few weeks ago although you know Champions League for me is the kind of the you know everything um for us at the moment that would take that would take us to the next level wouldn't it and we've had that conversation before probably done a podcast on it as well but Emery won't say, yeah, we're going to want to get top four. Yeah, we're going to want to win the league or whatever. He's never going to say those words because he doesn't want to cap what can be achieved uh, this mm. season, next season, the years to follow. All he said that he wants to win silverware. Um, he said he wants to play in the Champions League. Of course he has, but I don't think, you know, there's any cap. He wants to, um, you know, aspire to be the best that he can be and why put a number on that in terms of a league position. And he said as well that he won't be looking at the league or paying much interest in terms of the standings until about March. Um, he didn't say March, but he said game 30, game 32, which mm-hmm. is around then. Yeah. Some, I don't know, five, six, seven games before the end of the season, uh, which again, I think is fair. I think he did that last season too, when Villa were kind of knocking on the door of Europe. Um, but were we really going to get it? I think we only really paid attention until we were six or seven games before the end. And we thought, okay, actually we can make a, um, a fist of this if we do certain things and take it to the yeah. last few three games or whatever it was. Um, luckily for, this season we have a full 38 calendar so again that kind of taps into that we don't know what Aston Villa can achieve in a full season yet um, which again is very exciting Just a thought off the top of my head this is usually probably the thing that we kind of get cut out because I don't know where I'm going to go with this you know how you always say like you'll start looking at the league table after 19 games after you've played everybody once Yeah. I wonder what how Emery assesses it based off past seasons. Because, you know, last year we talked about like how there was a time where it was like, oh, we're not we're not a contender, contender for Europe. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, nah, we want to qualify. We want to finish top seven. I wonder yeah. when that was. Is it game week 30? Or is that's that when Emery starts paying attention, yeah. like the last, the last two months of the well, season? Well, that's what he said. I mean, to be honest, I think, he, you know, obviously you're going to pay attention to the table as you move on. But I don't think he's going to you know, kind of fall into the, okay, now we can push for Champions League. And he basically said he's not going to tell his players that this is the target up until there's a genuine, like a, you know, okay, if we win these next two, then we have five left or something that, you know, yeah, so yeah. there's a general path to it. I think at the moment it is all a bit up in the air, you know, look at Tottenham, they've lost a few players and they lose, lose um, what, four of the last five and or yeah. something like that. They've won in four, five, six games, got Newcastle next as well. So your season can change quite dramatically, very quickly. So, I do agree with his, I want to say caution, but his, I guess it is quite cautious because you you just don't know. You don't want to apply pressure to your players at the moment. He hasn't done anything that would, you know, for the players to think, oh, we have to do certain things this season. Let's just continue as we're going because it's working. I think that's probably what he's thinking. These sets, yeah. of, this set of players, sorry, work in a particular way. And so far he's found how to get the best out of them. Why kind of deviate your management style now and all of a sudden say, yeah, you know what? We want Champions League this season. I think everyone knows that Villa won Champions League this season. Uh, and it is probably attainable if we finish above uh, two of Manchester United, Tottenham or Newcastle. That's the way I look at it. And judging by the first 15 games of the season, there's every chance that can happen. Yeah. 
let's move on then to the injury update. And I feel like there's probably not huge amounts to say in this part of the show, largely due to the fact that they trained after the press conference and they were training again. Well, they, no, they weren't training again tomorrow, were they? No, but it was obviously, you know, 24 hours till the game. Things can happen. Things might have happened in that training session that we won't know about. Fingers crossed they haven't. Uh, is there much to report here in terms of the fitness? Well, not you know, specific names necessarily, but we've had it for a couple of weeks now where Emery said that he's kind of monitoring a few things and he's um, he needs to be responsible. I don't know who the exact players are, but I mean, Diaby's been on the bench a couple of times, mm. um, albeit Leon Bailey's deserved to start ahead of him, to be fair. I don't know which players exactly know, but there are a few that are kind of just carrying pains, small pains, small injuries, and it's his job, Emery's job, to um, kind of work out who plays when I suppose and can he risk certain things at certain points um, I think it's very helpful now that we have Moreno and Ramsey back put it that way because mm. we would be going pretty thin if it was those two that were remaining out and a couple of other players that you know had to fall um, you know out of the team as well but yeah I think it's just one of those we'll see what the team sheet says on uh, Saturday night and hopefully it's as good as it can be um, Arsenal have no injury concerns either after Luton, which um, is good for them. I know they've had a couple of injuries, as of everyone this season, let's be honest. So, yeah, it's a very jam-packed schedule at the moment. So, Emery's just trying to be responsible with how he does things. You've obviously got games like Burnley at home and Sheffield United at home. And with all due respect to those teams, they will probably go down this season and Villa should beat them without a couple of players. So, you wonder, as you're looking at Man City, United, Brentford away as well, those games are particularly important, I think. Mm. Um, and he'll want his... I don't know. I don't want to say best players because it is a whole squad effort. But he'll want his, you know, his his most preferable eleven, shall I say, for those games. And maybe can he rest a couple for Sheffield and Burnley? Although no games are given, I think Villa have enough quality now, and they're that team that if you are drawing with thirty minutes to go, um, you can probably turn the dial a bit and uh, kind mm. of do what you need to do late on. I suppose, even though that will be um, a bit stressful in those particular matches. Yeah, let's go away from match day then. For those that don't usually tune into this show, this is the part where we can talk about something that isn't related to the upcoming fixture, uh, Villa-Arsenal. I don't want to do like a random topic here because I haven't really thought of anything. So I want to go backwards and talk about Man City just because why the hell not? Why not talk about that again? And I don't want to do this for any more than a couple of minutes because it will turn into the Man City show. But uh, we did the post-match show at quarter to midnight on Wednesday night and we finished at half past uh, half past 12. I disconnected for 10 minutes and Matt just had to waffle on his own for a bit, which was quite funny. Uh, but we speculated at the end of that, like, I wonder how John Townley's doing. Like obviously you do a hell of, hell of a lot of work, but uh, the night that Bertrand Traoré scored a last-minute winner against Leicester, you were <laughs> highly emotional. So how how were you Wednesday night? How were you feeling? Um, I, I was good, thanks. I didn't sleep till four. Um, wow, a mix of reasons: work, adrenaline, the whole lot. I thought, well, we need to do a lot here, but uh, yeah, I was um, obviously buzzing with the rest of us. I was singing the songs after after the end of the game and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I probably shouldn't because I need to remain professional, but you need to get giddy sometimes. It's, we're real football fans, aren't we? So, um, yeah, it was just one of those games where going into it, I was a bit cautious of writing things like, this is probably the best time or the best opportunity that Villa have to beat City. And I actually feel like they not probably could, but there's like almost a 50-50 chance. I, I felt mm. very confident going into it. Um, but of course, it's a team that are I don't know, the best in the world, should we say under arguably the greatest manager of all time, one of the top strikers that there'll probably ever be in world football in Erling Haaland. You can't, mm. you can't go into that game saying, yeah, I think, you know, we'll win 2-0, should we say. But it should have been four. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, just marvellous performance. And I think, yeah, to a man, I, you can't pick a fault. You just couldn't. And 
it's one of those games where you go back and you just think, well, no one made a mistake, but it, it was that good. You almost thought, well, <laughs> I can remember or recall five or six times that Carlos did this, Conza did that, Louise did this. And, you know, you, you replay the game in your mind and everyone's just pulled out of a, pulled out a 10 out of 10 and all <laughs> my play ratings maybe didn't reflect that. <laughs> I didn't was, give everyone a 10. I think I might have shared yeah, shut up. <laughs> I need to give it, right. Can I explain myself? So yeah, a ten in in the world of football writing, a ten is a you know an Ollie Watkins hat trick against whoever. Um, a ten is a kind of a complete. You can't. This is like your best performance of the season kind of level. And I thought, well, no one's on a ten. I know that sounds harsh because they played that good, but you kind of you know. So I kind of based everyone on a nine, and then I put a, a couple of under under nine to an eight because I thought, well. Bailey played better than this player just and then rethinking it I'm thinking well actually it's probably not true I should have given them all nines maybe a couple of tens to be fair um but I don't know I've got a live blog to run report to do (laughs) ratings to write Um, you saw more of the game than me so um it is yeah it's a position that I didn't envy uh Ash when he was doing it last season and the seasons before as well because you just get stick off in I don't read about it but um I'm probably I've probably got my fair share of messages but yeah anyway fantastic game fantastic result but it was the performance wasn't it for me it was yeah, the result yeah. is marvelous it's a three points that not many clubs will get this season um but yeah the performance for me was like a, okay we can actually do that against anybody in world football um yeah. we really can and that's why arsenal is you know what looked relatively daunting is now a if Villa get the first goal as they have done in most games they'll win the game um, I mean, we're the only team now who, when they've taken a lead or have been, been in a winning position, they haven't surrendered it and um, mm. they've gone on to win the game. But yeah, Arsenal are a top outfit, a team that seem to just win games out of nowhere. Um, like the looting game, they find a way and they have the best away record since last season as well. So that would be particularly difficult. I'd give everyone 10s on Wednesday. Just that, if that was like a difficult job and you got loads to do, I'd just kind of like, make the player ratings quick by just going, everyone gets a 10 and everyone will be buzzing with that. No, uh, it's one of those games, isn't it, where everyone had to be a, a, a metaphorical yeah. 10 out of 10 to get the result. It and was. It's a team performance more than anything rather than a, an yeah, individual. Yeah. yeah and, but I, I almost felt like, and again, I should have given everyone 10s really, shouldn't I? But <laughs> it was like a, everyone needed to do a 10 out of 10. But then I felt Villa gave more than that. Everyone was like a, I can't say it, but everyone's like a 12. Do you know what I mean? Even though I gave everyone eight and nine. Um, but, but they were that good. And then above, weren't they? Because they just outplayed them. They outfought yeah. them, outrun them, outthought them, you know, the the whole lot. And yeah, just like, watching every, every, do his thing as well. Like Again, it's just mad. Like Harry, I think Harry Maguire got player of the month oh, this month or last month. Yeah. And I think he's actually done okay this month. But come on. Like, every Hall got, really? Hall got manager wanted, of the month as well. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, they've done better than what people probably think they have and whatever. But you can't, well, after watching that City game, I know this was probably done before the City game, but I'm just thinking those players have played so well for such a long time now. Um, like, Paul Torres was doing everything and more. Like, I know Carlos was the one kind of dealing with Haaland physically, but there was a couple of times when Torres would come in with this big slight tackle and you're just thinking like, Jesus, these players are playing on like their top level that I haven't seen this season and they've been mm-hmm. very good already. So yeah, it was just a real brilliant night and something that I don't think we'll forget for a long, long time. Yeah, we didn't do score predictions for Man City. We've predicted every Premier League game so far, but we didn't do a specific preview for Man City because you weren't on Monday's show. I did it with Matt. and We did speak about it. Uh, Matt said he would have been disappointed with anything less than three points from Man City and Arsenal. And we were like, oh, don't be silly. 
that's like a difficult task to get three points out of these two and we've done that uh, regardless of what we do tomorrow I had us down to I actually thought we'd lose Wednesday but I, I think we'll beat Arsenal is how I, it's how I saw the two games yeah. at the start of the week now we've beat Man City I'm sticking with the fact that we'll beat Arsenal and we'll get six points this week that's that's genuinely what I think um, just the way you beat Man City I know like people who didn't see the game will, and will have literally just seen the scoreline will go Villa 1 Man City nil. Ah, smash and grab like that must have had a lucky yeah. goal deflection well, it was a deflection to be fair uh, but like you know a, a scrappy goal or a penalty yeah, or something yeah. like that backs of the wall and got a goal and, and yeah. it, we dominated them in every single metric of football that you can measure whether it's XG or shots on target or whatever it is everything Villa did was better than them and, and that wasn't Man City having an off day or not being very good we made them be that we made them uncomfortable and yeah. got in their faces and I think Man City are a better outfit than Arsenal, despite how the league table is. I think you, the same thing you do to Man City, you do to Arsenal. You put them under pressure. You make them uncomfortable from minute one. You get on David Raya on every set piece, get McGinn fumbling into him. You make him hate yeah. playing that Villa Park for an afternoon. And if you do that, I genuinely think we'll win. And, and that is the way to do it. Um, we'll talk a little bit later about the specifics of that, though. Should we do the opposition view now and have a, a little break for ourselves? Yeah, crack on. Okay, so... Opposition view time then. I caught up with Tom Canton from Football.London earlier today, who's a football writer, an Arsenal fan as well. Uh, I think it's a six or seven minute clip that we're going to play in this live stream. So me and John are going to disappear for a little bit uh, and we'll come back when Tom has had his say on tomorrow's affair. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. You're the Arsenal reporter and Arsenal fan as well from Football.London. I'm here to ask you five questions ahead of a huge game at Villa Park this Saturday. The first of which is about the title challenge. Uh, we did you a favour, didn't we, Wednesday, by beating Manchester City. What are your What is your take on, on the title race this year? Um, have you got enough to win it? And are Villa in that conversation as well, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's exciting, isn't it? Um, and yeah, thank you very much for your exploits in midweek. It was uh, very much appreciated uh, because, you know, Arsenal this season, I think, have learned lessons from last year. Uh, last year, you mm. saw Arsenal kind of blitz at the beginning of the season and picked up a lot of points and opened quite a significant gap as well. But at the end, didn't have the resources to keep that going and, and ultimately wasn't sustainable in doing that. Whereas this season, Arsenal haven't necessarily been blowing teams away. They have in some cases, we've seen the Champions League, they, they beat Lawn 6-0 on PSV, 4-0. We beat yeah. Bournemouth away, 4-0. Sheffield United at home, 5-0. You know? So there's been some games in which we've done quite well to blow teams away, but there's been a few games where it's been quite close and with late goals like we saw against Luton in midweek, the Manchester United game, narrowly beating Man City 1-0 of Ooh. course at home and it is that Man City win that was different to last season of course which I think shows Arsenal's credentials this season as a side that can sustain the challenge as they build and grow this season with the extra resources they've got from some of their signings like Declan Rice of course and Kai Ooh. Havertz who's particularly on good form with three goals in his last three starts so yeah I do think Arsenal are in a much better place and I think they're showing evidence of that. What about Villa? Can Villa be involved in that conversation realistically? It, it's tough, I think, because last season I wasn't saying Arsenal were necessarily in title race until really far down the line because you have to show mm. those credentials. So whilst Aston Villa are there, I think that it wouldn't be unfair to say that targeting a Champions League qualification spot would be a sensible ambition for Aston Villa. and a, Not even more than sensible, but it's, it's ambitious, but I think it's definitely achievable. Mm. Uh, we've seen, obviously, how preemptive people can be putting teams like Tottenham as title challenges and how quickly things can change and fall away from you. I'm not just saying that because I'm biased but <laughs> genuinely as a case study you can see how quickly things can change for a team so I'm cautious of saying Villa are, are in it but they're certainly uh, up there as a respectable side that can nick points off the top teams 
I've got to ask you about the goalkeeper situation, the, the Raya versus Ramsdale stuff. Obviously, from our perspective, we feel like we've got one of the best goalkeepers in the league, uh, Emi Martinez. Thank you for him. What's your take on, on the goalkeeper situation at Arsenal? Do, do you agree with this kind of um, narrative that you need two good goalkeepers for competition or has it kind of blown up in Arteta's face a little bit, do you think? Yeah, I think that, you know, I've been very praising of a lot of the decisions that Arteta has made that's led Arsenal to this point, but I do think this is something of a misstep. You know, I have no issue with Arsenal looking to upgrade upon certain players in their team and I actually do think that Raya is a slightly better goalkeeper than Aaron Ramsdale. Mm, agreed. I think stylistically he fits Arsenal a lot better with what he wants from a goalkeeper to do from a distribution standpoint and if you ask anybody how good is Aaron Ramsdale how good is David Rea you would say watch both last season to get a good idea of what they're like as goalkeepers but this season Arteta I think has created a dynamic by buying a goalkeeper that's only slightly better than Ramsdale whereby there's mm. enough competition between the two to put extra pressure on both of them when they play that it's created because goalkeepers beyond any other player you probably want the least amount of pressure on them, the least amount yeah. of expectation on them, because it's such a high, strained, you know, tense position to play where any mistake is punished by a goal, whereas anywhere else on the field, a mistake can be covered by other players. You know, mm -hmm. you might miss a shot if you're a striker. You might make a mistake in turning over possession in midfield. But if you're a goalkeeper and make a mistake, you concede, and that can cost you points. And it has almost done that a few times for both goalkeepers this season. So I think that Arteta has created a problem that, necessarily didn't it didn't necessarily have to happen I have no issue with him buying Raya but I think you have to move on Ramsdale in the same window and I think that will probably look to happen in one of the next two windows I think January will come too soon uh, there is interest in him and it is growing and Arsenal will hope to make a significant fee off him as well let's talk about strengths and weaknesses for both sides very quickly the obvious answer for where Villa can exploit Arsenal does feel like the goalkeeper department whichever one of them plays I feel like you can get at them you can hit, hit an effort from long range and maybe cause a bit of a panic put a corner on the goalkeeper and cause a bit of a fumble like we saw at Luton on, on Tuesday. Is that the case where Villa should be targeting the keeper or are the other areas where Villa can get at you? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, as soon as you can take a shot at goal, you should be taken one. That's what you should always be recommended to do when you're going up against a keeper that is not in their best form, that has got nerves. You know, you want to put pressure on them. You want to get men on them, especially during crosses and those mm. set-piece opportunities. I think that that is where, obviously, Villa will be very, very dangerous against Arsenal. Arsenal do have a lot of height, you know, and, and that has helped them in both ends of the field, both scoring in midweek deck and Rice, of course, and defending as well. Saliba Gabriel been fantastic in, in that regard. Even Kai Havertz, another tall, you know, forward-thinking players get back and do their job defensively when it comes to defending set pieces. But it is still certainly something of a a weakness. That said, Raya is actually known for being a better goalkeeper regarding collection of crosses. It's just, again, this situation that I think has affected his own confidence, his own thought yeah. processes and decision-making that's maybe affected what we've seen from him so far this season. I think in regards to, obviously, our left-hand side, the way in which we set up, the way in which Zinchenko moves into midfield, that often leads to the perception that there's a weakness on that side because you can get in behind Zinchenko. This mm -hmm. is true, but actually, I think it's a misconception to suggest that Arsenal's left-back position leads to vulnerabilities because actually Arsenal don't play with a back four, really, even though he is, quote-unquote, a left-back. He's actually more yeah. of an extra midfielder when he plays. And so, Gabriel, his job is to be both a left-sided centre-back and a left-back. But if you do double up, if you do get a lot of men down that right-hand side, you can create overloads, which cause problems for Arsenal. So, I'd say the two areas are obviously our left-hand side, which is 
not as much of a problem as some people like to say, but also I think the set pieces and crosses into the box and getting men on the goalkeeper. Let's flip that question then. Where 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 should Villa be worried from an Arsenal perspective? Who should we be keeping an eye on to to stop that player? And Villa have got a chance. Ultimately, the, the cliche is is that it's all over for Arsenal. Um, it used to be that it was Bukayo Saka for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, back again, it used to be when we had Olivier Giroud up top. You have to be afraid of you know our our height in the box and things like that. But now Arsenal have constructed a squad that's got so many threats and so many different positions you know our biggest creator used to be Meza Ozil so if teams put two players on him you could usually stop that creativity Martin Odegaard's a different type of attacking midfielder because he has threat from both outside the box with his shooting and has scored a mm. number of high profile goals from outside the box at Newcastle at Spurs uh, against uh, I think two goals against Spurs in fact one home one away you know so he's scoring against these big sides with and probably is one of the best long range shooters in the Premier League to be fair you've also got his creativity if you manage to stop the shooting you've got Kai Havertz who's now on form and is moving really intelligently into the box and producing when there was so much criticism of, of him at the beginning of the campaign Jesus is an unpredictable centre forward because he creates he drifts from either side of the field you know he was in midweek throwing the ball to Bukayo Saka for a key pass to get then Martinelli in for a goal and as I said mentioned there both wingers involved in that first Arsenal goal they are huge threats in behind they love to cut inside and obviously shoot but both can use their other foot Saka more so has really developed his right foot in the last couple of seasons you see him dinking crosses in with his right foot or driving cutbacks as well and then of course Declan Rice is there who gets forwards too and has been mm. in the box or he's shot from outside the box and and been a threat so you can't count him out either so there's so much threat and also I think the big change this season is noticing Arsenal's deeper crossing and what I mean by that is where you cross from slightly further back from the 18-yard box rather than you know alongside it and and those crosses have really helped Arsenal to get some clutch goals in really important moments that's something to look out for as well just to end this segment can I get a score prediction from you are you willing to put uh, an actual result on the line yeah yeah I think it's got goals this game um because I think both teams are capable of scoring I think both teams are going to go to try and win this game there's nothing mm. cagey about it they both need the points yeah you'd argue that Arsenal need the win more so than Villa and Villa might be very happy with the draw in this case but I still think that both teams will certainly be going for the victory and and I think that will lead to a an open game as such so I'm going to go 3-2 Arsenal if not 2-1 but I'll have to be optimistic and, and hedge my bets in that sense of course, I don't think I've had an opposition reporter on from uh, any game this season where they've not yeah, backed like their own that. side to win. So, of course, <laughs> you've gone for that. Uh, I'll save my own score prediction for later in the show. But, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it and all the best on the weekend. But not Pleasure. Really. Thanks to Tom for joining me and earlier me from, uh, for doing that little mini preview. Tom said there that Villa fans might be more happy than a point than Arsenal would be. Would you be happy with a point tomorrow? I don't think I'll be. I can't say I'd be happy with a point before any home game. If you're winning 14 in a row, why settle for, for less, especially if you're going to beat City and absolutely batter them as well? Um, no, I wouldn't take a point if you offered it to me now, Dan. I think as well, because we beat City as well, you've already got three points out of the six, if that makes sense. If we drew to City or whatever it may be, then you know, you'd know you be saying, I don't know how to put it, but I wouldn't take two points out of City and Arsenal. And I think that's what Matt was trying to allude to when he said um, that he wants to win one of them because obviously three points is better than two, even though you avoid defeating both. So, yeah, going in tomorrow, I'm, you know, I wouldn't say I'm confident we're going to win, but I'm confident or at least optimistic in uh, every home game that we're going to be playing this season. So, yeah, hoping for a win. Okay. 
Uh, we're going to do combined 11 now. Now, this is something we've done as standalone videos in the last couple of weeks for Tottenham, and we did one for Manchester City as well. We were going to yep. do a standalone video for Arsenal, but we've simply not had the time to do it. So I thought we'd just do it as a little segment during this show instead. Now, exactly the same format. I've got a side from who scored, and you've built a side as well. And we're not yep. going to go through it position by position because it would take us 15 minutes because that's what we've done before. So we're just going to do the whole 11 in one go. Yours versus the one I've got. Uh, would you like to go with yours first? Talk me through it and I'll put a graphic on screen. If you just read the 11 first and then I'll come back to our faces. So this is your side for Arsenal yeah. and Villa combined. In goal, obviously, Martinez. <laughs> back three. <laughs> Look at all of those Villa players. Come on. Paul <laughs> Torres, left centre-back. Saliba, I can't leave out. And then Contra couldn't leave out as well. I think they're very similar players. Obviously, Saliba is probably one of the best centre-backs in the world, if not the, I don't know at the moment, potentially. Concer, I think, is getting there. Um, but he's kind of a watered-down version of Saliba, if that makes sense. And that is a huge compliment in itself. But yeah, that's my back three. Declan Rice is, with Roger, is the best DM in the world, I think. Um, I looked at the Arsenal midfielders and I thought, well, I put McGinn and Louise in there. They, I mean, you can see it there, can't you? <laughs> and then I put Odegaard ahead of them. Saka on the right. I put Moreno on the left because... I mean, not that this team is going to play um, on a pitch, but uh, yeah, I just thought, well, in terms of balance, left-sided players, Inchen- to be fair, Zinchenko has probably got a shout to play that position as well, but um, this is an Aston Villa podcast. So yeah, I have four Arsenal players. No, yeah, four Arsenal players, seven Villa players, obviously Watkins at front, ahead of Jesus and Ketia. Who else they have? I don't know. Um, I think those are the main two strikes they have. Uh, so yeah, seven Villa, four Arsenal I think that's something that Arsenal fans would be furious at, so I'm glad this isn't a standalone <laughs> video, Dan. Um, but I think it's you know relatively fair. I mean, if who are the midfielders in Arsenal's team that would get over Louise and McGinn? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think they would. I mean, you've got Party in there. He's not really playing at the moment anyway. Um, so I'm actually pretty happy with that team. In terms of centre-backs, you're obviously Gabriel, who Tom says is a kind of a key player for them. Uh, but I think I have Torres and Moreno in every team that I've kind of built in terms of a combined 11 because that left side for me is just they're just two players that can do something that a lot of players in the Premier League can't in terms of their own position so yeah, yeah I'm pretty uh, pretty set on that team I actually thought this would be a, a really interesting one to do as a standalone video because we'd have more time to discuss it but um considering that Arsenal are top of the league and they're challenged for the title last year and they're challenging for yep. the title again this year I do feel like the sides are really evenly matched I, I like you normally do started <laughs> I've not yeah. done a graphic or anything for mine, and I'm going to talk through the who scored one in a second. I started with the Villa team and then thought, which Arsenal players get into that? That's how I did it rather than the other way around. I think you make a case for Rice and Saka, possibly Odegaard. And then I'm thinking, no, I'm not really bothered about the rest. Maybe Saliba. But I don't think I'll play back three, so I'd have uh, I'd have keep Conte and Torres together. So I'm thinking, Saliba has to be in there, mate. I'd, I'd keep the Villa players to be honest if I was doing it I mean, that's massively well, to be fair I've, I've done the same thinking as you but then I thought well Saliba has to be in it so I'll just do a back three and then take out a right back that's basically yeah. my thinking so we're on the same way I think most people would probably go with something similar to what we've thought of there yeah uh, somebody asked in the comments no Ben White yeah that was the uh, that was the only th- other thing I thought of but then it kind of affects the team going kind of in the, in the other positions and yeah Mm, yeah, Arsenal fans will probably have Ben White in there to be fair play back four and have Jorginho over McGinn so <laughs> Arsenal fans would have seven or eight Arsenal players I think uh, obviously everyone, everyone's biased towards their own team was there ever yeah. an argument of Raya or Ramsdale getting in there over Martinez <laughs> didn't think about it mate <laughs> no well, it's well, a strange well. one that goalkeeper situation I personally don't particularly rate Aaron Ramsdale as a goalkeeper I think he's no, quite good I prefer Raya 
Yeah, and to be fair, I actually think Raya at Brentford was an excellent goalkeeper, and I put him much you know higher in terms of Premier League goalkeepers ranked than Ramsdale. But then he, I don't know what it is, nerves, whatever it may be, but he's making mistakes that he weren't making at Brentford. Yeah. Um, so Thomas Wright put lump corners onto him, whatever it may be. Louise shoot from his corners. I think there's high winds tomorrow as well, which will be interesting. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, very interesting. I'd check the weather, nice little, yeah. Nice little weather-based stat there. Um, I think it's interesting what Tom said, that to assess both goalkeepers and look at them last season. Ramsdale was pretty good last year, and so was Rio, whereas this year they've both been pants. Um, this kind of whole situation when two goalkeepers of, a, of an equal standard, and if you say that both goalkeepers is a 7 or 8 out of 10 as a, as a standard, there's no improvement. How do you pick the best one out of those two? And Arteta has made this this problem for himself, I think, and the fact that we have Martinez and it's nothing you know, of no concern. Having a very good goalkeeper and an okay backup is the norm, isn't it? You don't have, yeah. you never see two good goalkeepers at a club ever. The only thing I'd say about that is that, again, like when I was at Brentford, I don't recall him making any mistakes. I think he was just very good. Um, Ramsdale made mistakes at Bournemouth and he made mistakes when he first signed for Arsenal. So for me, I just don't think he's an elite goalkeeper anyway. I'm not saying Wright is, but if Wright takes out his mistakes, then all of a sudden you have a keeper that you can depend on. I know it sounds easy, but yeah. I don't think that'll be a massive issue moving forward for them. Um, we have the best goalkeeper in the world though, so it's not a problem for Aston Villa. I've seen some Arsenal fans down social media saying that Martinez is not that good I and mean, he's only worth 30, 30 odd million or something, which is just so, so untrue. Yeah, I think every, every time he plays Arsenal, he probably has his worst game of the season. Well, that's also true, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean the the mad fact is is if Martinez played for Arsenal last season, they'd have won the league. Okay, I'll yeah, up. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk, talk through the who scored eleven now, which probably throws up a couple of surprises. Uh, it's a four two three one four three three. Uh, we've got Martinez in goal, a back four of Cash, Conza, Gabriel, and Dean. No Saliba, no Pau Torres, uh, no oh. Ben White at right back. Rose and Louise as a midfield two. McGinn um, off the left, uh, Saka off the right. And Odegaard, like you, behind Watkins, which I think again is a is a decently balanced team. It looks it looks okay, but a couple of omissions in there that I would have. Again, Moreno isn't going to make it into a statistical statistical eleven because he's not played any minutes to get a rating. Whereas Dean obviously has and has played very well. Um, the Gings could obviously play in the middle. You could move Saka around. You could swap cash for somebody. But yeah, two two decent enough teams there, I think for uh, who scored and your brain, right. What are the comments saying? Isn't it, um, isn't it mad? I'm sorry, two days ago we beat Man City one at Liverpool Park, outplayed them, smashed them to pieces. Although it was only one nil, should have won more. We're nearly top of the league. <laughs> We've made the best start ever, and now we're putting more Villa players in an Arsenal team that were winning the league for like <laughs> I don't know, six months last season, and it's just it's just mad. Like the world we're living in right now as Villa fans. But well, to be fair, every yeah. time we've done this combined eleven thing, even the stat the statistical team, I'm really that's sure my that point. Word. They all oh, as well. It's not just us being yeah, biased. Yeah. No, that, that's what I mean. Maybe there's a bit of bias in kind of you know in terms of the stats. Yeah, whatever it may be. But I'm not being an idiot or whatever when I pick my team or when the stats <laughs> are doing their thing. Like it's the thing. Yeah, you're not doing it for clickbait. You're not doing it to get a reaction. No, because it's not in a single video. I'm just putting the players on the pitch that I think will be better. And yeah, it's just a bit crazy to be honest. Kind of where we've come from. Not even in the last year, but. um 
the improvement we've made since we lost 4-2, the last game that we lost at Villa Park in the league back in February, it's just crazy, the ride that yeah. we've been on. I think the next time we do a combined 11, I'm just looking at the fixtures now, I'll probably be Man United. And to be honest, I was, we might as well just do it now and say full of Villa 11, to be honest. I don't think I'd, I'd take any would Man United player. Would you take any Man United player? Can I quickly have a think? Um... <laughs> Bruno? <laughs> I mean, I hate him, but he's... Oh, that, that's it, though, isn't it? I think it was a different player. If it was a different player with the output, I'd take him, but because it's Bruno and he's the oh, way that he is, good. don't want him near the dressing room. Do you know what no, I mean? No. So, honestly, we'll, we'll no. get to it, obviously, in a couple of weeks when we play them. It's Boxing Day, isn't it, Man United? I think we'll probably will do one for then. We've got um, Brentford and Sheffield United between them. I don't think we can sit here and put a Brentford-Villa 11 together, and we certainly couldn't do a Sheffield United-Villa 1. So maybe Man United, the next time, we'll bring the combined 11 back if people want to see it. Right, let's move on to, uh, where are we next? Predicted 11. Let's talk about some reality rather than a hypothetical team. If you're picking the team of what you think Emery will do uh, tomorrow yes. night, what would you go for? It's, it's difficult because, again, we don't know the team news exactly who is completely fit, who Emery might want to risk uh, and who he won't want to risk. So I've kind of saved the long conversation. and I, I went with Unchanged and then Dania. Uh, Moreno, I think Moreno might come back in just because Dina's played a lot of football. Um, and Moreno against a team, obviously, in Arsenal, who played only a few days ago as well. Um, maybe that could be a difference maker in the match. I don't know. But I'd have thought probably unchanged, um, just based off the level of performance. Again, they might be a bit tired or whatnot, but <laughs> you wouldn't change that team if it was seven days later, if that makes sense. Um Maybe he'll change it two days later if there's tiredness in the squad, which there appears to be, judging by his comments. So I don't know exactly, but I would have gone unchanged as my kind of prediction of what he'll do. Mm. What about that right-hand side for Arsenal with with Saka? How do you defend against that? Do you go with Dean, who's obviously played well and in form and is the better defender probably of, of Dean and Moreno? But Moreno's obviously got the pace to, to trap back. Um, again, obviously, because it's only been a couple of days, Dean played well in, in such a brilliant win, so you don't change the winning team and all that. But Moreno possibly has a case to come in and, and go up against Saka effectively. Yeah, again, I think you've almost got to try and defend Saka, not in terms of defending, if that, that sounds stupid, but be wise, the offside trap I'm talking about. Um, when can we jump up and catch players offside? When can we keep the ball and you know, kind of limit how they move the ball across the pitch to Saka, stuff like that. I think it's, you know, if, if you're talking about a one-on-one situation and Saka's in the space, well, then he's, that's already the issue, if that makes sense. I think you're stopping by limiting his supply. Um, goes for the same with the players. The only thing I would say is that Odegaard tends to kind of drift towards Saka's side. I remember the Arsenal game last season and he kept drifting towards Saka and there was always space. They were just making space and that is something that I am a bit fearful of tomorrow, but I don't think... In terms of how Villa play, I don't think there's anything that I can see that automatically makes me think, oh, there's no way that Saka will have an involvement in the game or Odegaard or whoever. I think we're just going to be playing a very good team and thankfully mm. so are we. So let's kind of try and just go toe-to-toe with them. Let's not kind of fear them. Be respectful, of course, um, and be cautious about what we're doing. But ultimately, we're a good team as well. So how can we go on the front foot and try and control the matches as much as they would like to as well? Yeah, just to, just because it's... The game against City was only a couple of days ago. This temptation from Moreno for someone like Ramsey to start, maybe the yeah. RB if he's not uh, carrying some kind of knock. Obviously, he's been on the bench just for that freshness. But how would you change the side that just put that performance together at Villa Park? You know, yeah. it's almost like we talk a lot, don't we, about how Emery pre- prepares for games, whether they're home or away, and he'll look at the last game they played at that 
venue to kind of prepare for the next one. Everything that kind of came together to beat Man City, it's obviously not as simple as to just say, just do that again, because it's two you know, very different opponents. But everything you've kind of like bred together to, to make that happen, the atmosphere, that 11, these, that performance level, if you can do those things again, obviously with the tactical uh, variations between City and Arsenal, it can kind of create those similar circumstances again, like this laboratory environment, just like do this and do this and do that, and you might get the same outcome. So I'm so tempted just to say unchanged, but I just worry whether fitness and, and tiredness might come into it a little bit. Yeah, possibly so. And to be fair, to have <laughs> Jacob Ramsey, Alex Moreno, Diaby, those players on the bench against City that yeah. can now come in with fresh legs, that's... Uh, it's mad, you know. Diaby, your summer signings, um, who has been very good, by the way. It's not, we're, we're not knocking him when we're saying that he'd be on the bench or anything. To have him to be able to call on him, sorry, um, Jacob Ramsey, who for me was our best player in the final games of last season. There's, um, yeah, there's a lot to kind of look towards in this Villa team, and kind of, you know, there's reason to suggest that they can go toe to toe with Arsenal, even though they might be a bit tired um, after the City game and. Yeah, I'm the same optimistic we can get a win. I'm going to feel optimistic and confident in every game that we play at home. And let's not forget these two teams are the best two teams in the division. Potentially Liverpool's there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've played Liverpool away now, haven't we? And we probably need to do a job on them. Kind of a revenge mission, I suppose, next year. But now you're looking at it and thinking, well, if we can beat Man City, if we can compete against Arsenal, which I'm sure we will at least compete, if whether we lose or draw, we'll be in the game for sure. Um, those are now your kind of two hardest games as such. Every other game is very different. And I don't know, maybe Man City trying to come out and play football helps us in some way. I don't know. Um, very different game to playing, I don't know, a team that will sit back like Wolves or something. Mm. But those two games in a week, in the space of three days, your hardest home games out of the way already. So um, that's something, again, to be to feel feel confident about, I think, um, even after the game, whatever the result may be. Yeah, um, we're going to do score predictions in a second and I will ask the comments as well. If you want to get your score predictions in, I'll read some out. I've been flagging some comments throughout the show that I want to just quickly read out. I think there's 10 that I just want to go through. You can interject at any point and uh, and uh, get involved. Two recent ones as we're still talking about team news. Uh, Jason says, Emery isn't sentimental. He's methodical and will do exactly what he feels he needs to do to win that game, which I fully agree with. An interesting point here that I've not thought about, but it's such common sense from Brett. Wednesday to Saturday is exactly the same as Thursday to Sunday, but there's no travelling. We'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. When you think about yeah, it, just, that's true, isn't it? No, absolutely. But I just think there's a mental toll with the Man City game. I think there was course, so much yeah, about yeah. it. And I think it's a bit different to beating Alkmaar or... Um, it's a really yeah, good point, yeah. though. It's certainly something that I've heard no one say. Uh, and it is completely true. I just think there's a mental side to it as well, beating City. I think mm. there's so much adrenaline. I doubt the players slept more than four hours <laughs> on that night. So, um, yeah, I think we'll be okay. Though I don't think tiredness will play a part, ultimately. No, I hope yeah. not. Uh, two comments about Arteta. James says, Arteta in the stands is big for us. And likewise, Graham, Arteta's pitch side band has come at a perfect time. Do you agree with that? Is that a good thing? I mean, I can't stand Arteta prancing around on the touchline, getting involved in the fourth officials here and all that kind of stuff. So for my benefit of having to sit near him and look at him, I'm pretty pleased. But is him not being there actually a bad thing in some ways? Because he's so highly emotional that if the game is going Villa's way, you can kind of do with him losing his head a little bit because that, that translate on, translates onto the pitch, I think. I th- I would put it down to, I, I don't think it helps Arsenal. I'd put it that way because I think it helps them to see their manager um be animated and kind of he's kicking kicking every ball that's on the pitch. Do you know what I mean? It's um 
I think it's certainly someone that they look towards for motivation and whatever it may be when the game is entering its final minutes. I think they've scored the most goals in the last uh, few minutes of the of the games they've played this season or whatever the stat is, I don't know. Um, but they're never out of games. And I do think that is because Arteta is giving them, though, I don't know whether it be information or the same motivation to kind of keep going in a match. So I do think it helps Villa that he's not there because I think it's probably a bad thing for Arsenal that he's not. So, um, yeah, whether it'll have a massive impact, probably not. But football's a game of fine margins and certainly something that will um, help, even if it's only uh, kind of a small fraction. Mm. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, where else do we want to go? Uh, Roderick simply says, do you want to get a bet against us? Uh, no, I don't. I'm fully fully invested in Villa and I'll fully back us every single time. Um, Kelvin says, Emery knows our biggest advantage is the lack of expectation, hence the constant downplaying of our chances. That's just good management. Is that something you agree with? Yeah, it goes back to what we said at the start of the show. Um kind of not entertaining any talk about Champions League or title talk. Maybe that comes in the last five games of the season. But by then, those Villa players will be so... If we are in the same position we're in or, you know, in and around Champions League, maybe that comment of, okay, now we want to go for the Champions League will just spark them into, a, you know what, we can do this now and we can win five games in a row or whatever we need come the end of the season like we did last season when, as you say, Dan Villa on such a good run. And it was like, when's Emery going to say it? When is he going to say we get European football? As soon as he says it, I know we had the little blip against Wolves and Man United, but we all knew that those final three games ultimately would come down to that anyway. Um, and the players showed up, they turned up and we got what we needed. So it's kind of like limit the pressure. And then at the end of the season, um, it kind of gives you that underdog mentality of like, we might be the outsiders for Champions League, but we know we can do it if we win a certain amount of uh, matches. So yeah, I think it's good management as well. Mm. Uh, Timothy says our set pieces could really hurt them Luton had three corners and scored from two which I fully agree with I've, I've said the same uh, earlier not on the podcast getting on David Raya at set pieces and stuff is is big especially if you can do that early doors and just get in his face get McGinn playing some some tricks on him get physical uh, do, like, like you said Douglas is shooting from one of the corners or uh, yeah. Yuri Tiedemann shooting from, from 30 yards just to test the waters a little bit I think is such an important thing to do uh, he also says can you give a, short, a shout out to my daughter Bella as well she loves the podcast uh, yes she's named after our mascot which I love that uh, Bella <laughs> and Tim or Timothy uh, thank you for tuning in every week and as well on that set piece stuff as well Dan I think it goes without saying that the Arsenal defence will be fully aware of the kind of rickets that um, Rai is making at the moment. So that's not going to fill them with particular, you know, much confidence uh, mm. at any point when Villa attack. They know that they're going to have to defend because, as Tom said, the Arsenal report of Villa need to shoot at every given opportunity and the Arsenal defenders know that. So again, that's going to cause anxiety um, and whatnot. So yeah, I, I think it's one of those where if Villa can limit Arsenal going forward, I think they'll win the game because... I think they'll have so many chances and they'll create yeah. so many openings because the Arsenal defence won't know how to cope um, with what Villa are going to uh, give them, I don't think. I actually think Ollie Watkins, who we've not mentioned, can possibly have a field day tomorrow. He's got a pretty good record against, against Arsenal. Them, yeah. Running in beyond, diagonal runs, being a nuisance, just getting about it. Obviously, he's got face about him. Uh, I can see Ollie, oh, well, I'll do our predictions in a bit, but I've, I've got Villa to win and, and Watkins on my score sheet. Um, LZFTW says, "What manager are you having in a commander? Emery. 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 Not a question, is it? No question, no. Get out of here! Um, right, let's do our score predictions. Then we've teased it a couple of times. As we said, we didn't do one for Man City, so no points distributed uh, midweek. Although I've been very open about the fact I said we'd have lost. And I think you don't get any points. Oh, no, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have said we won? Can we get points? No, I, 
I, I was thinking a draw, to be fair. Yeah, okay. So no no points given for that, even though we didn't actually fill them in. Uh, so Arsenal at home, huge game. Could be Villa's 15th Premier League home win in a row. The club record uh, would put Villa a point behind Arsenal in second place, potentially, uh, depending on other results, which is unbelievable at this stage of the season. What scoreline are you going with, John? What's going to happen? <laughs> I'm going with a 3-2 Villa. And three, I think two. it'll be one of those where... In my prediction, anyway, I can. I'm just imagining a three-one, and then Arsenal kind of get a late goal, and then it's very anxious for ten minutes, and then five minutes out of time. Um, yeah, three-two Villa. I think we'll score goals, so will Arsenal. But ultimately, you know, this is a home game, and Villa win their home games, don't they? Usually, so yeah, I just hope that we can break the record. It's something that, again, is nine months in the making. There's so much to go into it, and it kind of all comes down to this. And again, whatever the result is. We've made a fantastic start to the season and I'm so enthused about what's going to come mm. because of the Man City game. Even if we were to lose 3-0 to Arsenal, where you can kind of just say, well, we had two days to prepare. This isn't the Aston Villa team that we know um, if that was to happen. So, yeah, whatever the result is, you know, we move on. We go to Brentford after that and, well, it was Rinsky, sorry, then Brentford. Um, and we continue with the rest of the season. But yeah, tomorrow I'm optimistic. So, yeah, 3-2 Villa. 3-2 Villa, Gavin says 2-1 Villa, Guy agrees with you, 3-2 Villa, fingers crossed, Greg, 2-1 Villa, 2-1 uh, Villa from MJ, US Crits, 3-2 Villa. you only Villa. picking up the Villa wins? Or... <laughs> no, this is all there is, mate, this is all there is, 4-1 Villa, uh, Marine Boy, I would take another 1-0, so yeah. would I, who cares what the scoreline is if we win, uh, I'd love a clean sheet again. I'm going to go 2-1, I think, Watkins to score both is what I'm going to go with. I think Watkins scored twice in the against Arsenal a couple of years ago in the lockdown year, I think. Uh, the, the black shirt. Um, Arsenal will score, uh, but Villa will score more. <laughs> is what, what I'm based on. To get six points in a week would be unbelievable. And it is, is one that isn't a, a Villa win. 3-3, three, three, says Simon. Thriller. Uh, head yeah, says draw, heart says win from Paul. Uh, so I think that's a good place to end it. Although one final question from the comments that I saw earlier uh, from Nick: Does John visit the same barber as the Villa team? Looking sharp, <laughs> little compliment. I, I weren't expecting that. <laughs> I weren't expecting that. I remember when we did the um, we did the live show. When we when did we the last live show? Was that before the start of the season? It was Must June, been... I think. Jesus, that long ago. That's mad. Um, I had a dodgy haircut then. It was the day before and I looked at it and I thought, oh dear. <laughs> right before the live show, I wasn't happy. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that someone's commented the trim. It needs a hair. I need a haircut, sorry. Yeah, me too. Probably, it's, not... it's that awkward awkward part of the year though because it's, do I get it before Christmas? It's like two weeks before. Or do I get it like two days before Christmas? Because you can't have two before Christmas. That's too much money. Um, <laughs> so I'm not too sure what to do about that. If I get to like the 22nd and it's a bit longer, I don't think it will look good at all. So... Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've got much to worry about. Mate. You, get, you get to my age, you stop getting about these things with my hair, uh, my hairline. Who cares? <laughs> It'll all be gone in a, in a year or two, anyway. Uh, that'll, that'll do us for this uh, bumper episode of Inside Biden White. Obviously, loads jam packed into the show. I'm hoping I've been able to uh, put it together as best I can, given the fact we're obviously doing this live, uh, a little bit less polished than, than usual when we do these pre recorded. But I've enjoyed it, John, and I feel like you have too. And loads of comments get involved throughout as well. So, uh, clearly, those watching live enjoyed as well i'd love to say we'll do this live every single week but circumstances don't always allow and i do prefer being able to edit things out and, and get rid of mistakes and stuff like the start of the show was such a shambles that yes, if that was what happened, record, we'd have done it we'd have restarted it again wouldn't we instead oh, i'm not having that uh, but you've got no choice when it's live 
We'll be back, though, tomorrow with another live show uh, after the game. Me and Matt Kendrick, most likely. It's a 5.30 kickoff. Um, so, I don't know, half nine or something, maybe, off the top of my head. I can't quite work out the maths. But we'll be live at some point tomorrow evening, hopefully talking about three points for Villa, which will be unbelievable. I mean, what actually happens, by the way, if we win and we're sitting on, you know, we're sitting second well, on one point behind us? Yeah, I think... Um... To fed Liverpool, they play Palace and they should win. So Liverpool would probably go top and then would be what two points. You say that, but Newcastle should beat Everton and Spurs should beat West Ham. Those are two no, no, results for us last night. You know, something's happening at Palace. You've got Hodgson saying they're like spoiled and stuff, watching Roy Hodgson football and they've got players like Eze and Elisa. Um yeah, I think Liverpool are very good. So, you know, there's reasons why Newcastle and Tottenham lost. I just think Liverpool will be up there at the end of the season, so will Arsenal, probably City as well. Um hopefully Villa too. Right, let's call it there John thank you so much for joining me thanks everyone for tuning in live and thanks to Tom as well uh, for contributing earlier in the show like I said we'll be back tomorrow night uh, to talk about all things Arsenal and Aston Villa once more uh, so we'll see you then cheers everyone <laughs>